Take your hands off my lobby boy! That's right people, and welcome back to Films of Amigos. Today we're reminiscing about 2014's The Grand Budapest Hotel. And for this episode, we'll be joined by two guest amigos, along with myself, Sam, Big Dan, and the amigo himself, Francis Lee. Why do you want to be a lobby boy? Who wouldn't? At the Grand Budapest, sir. And so my life began. Junior lobby boy in training under the strict command of Monsieur Gustave H. Many of the hotel's most valued and distinguished guests came for him. I love you. I love you. She was dynamite in the sack, by the way. She was 84. Mm, I've had older. Okay, welcome back, everybody, to episode number 12 of Films with Amigos. This week's film is Grand Budapest Hotel, but before we get into that, we're also joined by two guest amigos, Paul and James. How's it going? Very well, thank you, mate. Very well, thank yeah, you very first, much for having us. And before we get into talking films, we're just going to do a little plug, because you know I'm a big fan. I guess it's for anybody in uh, the UK. Is that your customer base? Yeah, absolutely, mate. UK, uh, Republic of Ireland, a few dotting around uh, on the continent now, but you're one of our loyal customers, so um, they've got a lot of catching up to do to start beating you and your loyalty. That's right. Food Circle <laughs> Supermarket, in a nutshell, what is it? Go on, James, I'll let you go for that one, mate. Okay, yeah, so um, it's basically an online store for your pr- protein bars and your healthy snacks, uh, really, but with a bit of a twist. Uh, and that twist is that we sell it a lot cheaper than what you'd find in uh, your mainstream sort of Holland and Barrett's and your supermarkets and stuff like that. And that's because we uh, we take short-dated stock and surplus from manufacturers um, so we can offer those discounts to people. So, yeah, so anybody likes protein bars or generally sort of healthy, uh, healthy-orientated snacks, then, um, yeah, look us up, Food Circle, online store, home delivery. Uh, and that's it, basically. Yeah, and I guess I, I I just want to say one thing from a customer point of view. When you say short dated, I don't even think the short dates. The usually the food you, the protein bars have usually got mumps on them anyway. Yeah. So there's yeah. always plenty of time to get you with. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, it's short dated from an industry point of view, really. But it's usually you know it's got months uh, in general. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah averages around three months that we sell. I think. I mean, like the grenade bars. That we've been selling the past couple of weeks. What's that, James? Like January, December dated. Um, yeah, we just we just bought some stock today, and that's got like March date on it. Um, but bizarrely, and like you know, shockingly, really in the industry, that's like too short for some retailers to sell. So that's why we end up getting getting our hands on stock like that and working with brands. There's some of the big brands that we do, like Grenade and Fulfill, etc. And pass that, you know, pass the saving on to our lovely customers such as yourself. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's a great business. It's a great idea, and if you were, if you are into protein bars, you'll know how expensive they are. So, yeah. Food Circle Supermarket, gotta hit it up. Great prices. Thanks very much. Thanks, That's mate. it. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop fanboying now. That's it. <laughs> let's, let's just go into a little conversation that we were having before this recording started. James has not seen Mrs. Doubtfire and not heard of now. the parents. That's, this is bullshit. This man has not seen this one. <laughs> I've seen what Mrs. Doubtfire about? now. I watched it about a month ago. 
a month ago. <laughs> After yeah. a disagreement at work, wasn't it? It was sort of peer pressure. Um, yeah, so I don't know what I don't know what. I don't know what I really did in my childhood, to be honest. I must have just sat staring at walls or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And you never heard of me, the parents? No, I still, I still don't get the hype. Is it, is it supposed? Oh. Is it like, what, what's going on there? I don't know if it's the hype. I guess it's just I'm just trying to set you up as an absolute film amateur. Yeah, well, I've heard that there's another film amateur on here, but uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't even deflect to them now. That's, no, uh, that's true. Disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd call myself a film amateur as well to be fair so you've got two amigos that have joined the podcast that are both film amateurs but it's a nice balance though isn't it we're all we're, this is the whole point film, films with amigos is not not supposed to be critical it's supposed to be a, it's supposed to be the everyday man reviewing the films so. absolutely definitely got that tonight <laughs> yeah that's what we want we let you pick the film this is the very first guest pick and you picked Grand Budapest Hotel which one of you wants to go with why you selected this film? Uh, go on, Paul. You can start. So we had a, a short list, really. We were thinking, uh, we're thinking, oh, well, you know, we're entrepreneurs. We started a business. Shall we do it business-related? So we're thinking Pursuit of Happiness, which is just uh, an unreal film. One of my favourite films of all time, Schindler's List, but it's a bit heavy, isn't it, really, for a podcast? <laughs> so we didn't really want to go down that route, but for you know what else? What films do me and James absolutely love that we we share a, a deep passion for? And I'd say Grand Budapest is one of my favourite films. It's one of James's favourite films. It's got still got Ralph Fiennes in it, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, yeah, it's 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 weird. It's and it is actually a bit business related, actually. Which you know, yeah, I think I think it just ticks a lot of boxes from what you want from a film. Obviously, that's that's subjective and that's just my opinion. But it's funny. It's got yeah. an amazing cast. It's got a good story. It's like it. It looks beautiful. Um, so yeah, what what more do you want, really? Yeah, it's interesting that you said you were picking a film based on like business because we had the same thing last week. Uh, we 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 recorded an episode about Roadhouse because Ben used to be a bouncer who fought people a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably um, from previous experience, and just thought oh, this film kind of embodies everything about his past. Yeah. Same thing with Magic Mark XXL. Obviously, Fran used to be a male stripper. So. Male entertainer, come on, Sam. You're not learning anything. Male and, uh, no respect for the industry. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, without without skipping ahead too much, I guess, um, I think what you said, James, is probably right. I think in terms, if you had a, a checklist for films, Grand Budapest definitely would tick a lot of those boxes. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of the cast, I've got I've actually got it on DVD, and I've got the cover in front of me now. And normally, you get like the, the main stars on the front, don't you? Like two or three um, characters on there. But there's so many like household names in this that it's just full of like mugshots of each. You know, it's got everybody on there. You know, Ralph Fiennes, we've mentioned Jeff Goldblum, Edward Norton. You know, there's all these just amazing names in it, even making cameos. And so I imagine mm-hmm. that. That, that won't have been easy to pull all those guys together just to do like small parts. You know, these actors probably normally want like a big role, don't they? So to get all those people in this film, it tells you all you need to know, I suppose. Yeah. I watched it last night for like the third time. And uh, me and James talked about it today. And I was on IMDb looking at, just looking at that cast. And James looked at me in horror when I said, uh, oh, I didn't realise Jude Law's in it. Who's he? And honestly, I had no idea. <sighs> Didn't even know he was in it. <laughs> Didn't recognise him. 
So that goes to show how many like just beasts there are in this film, and what some of them you don't even notice them. Well, I don't anyway. I think I've seen <laughs> yeah. it three times now, and I'd 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 forgotten just how many people are in it. And then, like you said, it's the it's the smaller roles where you're just thinking, oh, I can't believe, you know, Wes Anderson's managed to get in. Um, you know, Jeff Goldblum, for instance. Although that's not like one of the smallest roles, but he doesn't have a massive yeah. part to play in the story. Um, yeah, like Bill Murray's not even got a line, oh, I don't think. Yeah, but that's that's just um, it's like signature <laughs> Wes Anderson, isn't it? Because he's in quite a lot of films of his. Oh, well, I don't yeah. know if it was three, if this makes his like third collaboration, but um, but yeah, it, amazing cast. I guess that's a, a question for you both in terms of Wes Anderson films. Have you have you seen many others, and do they also, you know, do you rank them as highly as you do this film? You can say no to both of that, by the way. No, I, I've never heard of him, honestly. I'd never in, until uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you who the director was of this film. All oh, right, who's a who's who's a film novice now? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, exactly. I, I honestly. I honestly wouldn't know. I'm like I'm not really into directors. I obviously know the obvious ones like Spielberg, but no, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I don't know what else he's done. I think the only other film I've seen is um, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Great film. Has anybody seen? Um, oh, I, uh, it's another random one, but Isle of Dogs. Oh, no, it's another. No, I don't think I've seen. Similar that. style to that, yep. um, Mr. Fox, in that it's like stop motion, but great film. Yeah, I, get, I, I, I would recommend Fantastic Mr. Fox. That no, it's a, that's another. If you like this film, it's it's, yeah. it's not up to the caliber of this film, but um, the writing style and everything's very very similar. Yeah, is, are, are the rest of them like are other ones that he's done like Grand Budapest? Because if so, I'll check them out. You've definitely. got you know, that sort of weird. Yeah, there's um the life aquatic of and I can't remember the the character's name, but it's a very random title, and that's got Bill Murray as the lead actor in that one. Um, that one's I can't really remember that one that well I, I just remember the two animated one which is um, Fantastic Mr Fox and Isle of Dogs but I'd recommend watching all those three yeah I'm I'm just going to throw this out there now I'm going to save it for um, random facts or whatever we're coming on to later but um, in terms of where that, where's Anderson there's, a, there's a quite a popular um, Instagram page and it got turned into a book uh, it's called Accidentally Wes Anderson. Uh, and people can send in like photos that they've taken just on the phone or whatever of like shots that look like they could be stills <laughs> from a Wes Anderson film. So there's loads of like nice. Grand Budapest inspiration in there, like, you know, opulent looking kind of um, buildings and stuff like that. And it, it genuinely like a lot. Sometimes you have to like, look and think, does that actually. Like, is that actually a still from Grand Budapest? Because it looks looks like it could be. So uh, I don't know much about Wes Anderson, much like Paul, but I think um, that tells you what you need to know about his sort of visual style, I guess. I think that's what he's yeah, yeah. mostly known for, isn't it? He's got a very, very distinct yeah. like, colour palette, um, camera yeah. movements, and then, yeah, like you said, everything. It's almost like every shot is just a, like framed like a picture. Yeah, and, and I noticed in this as well, like... Um, a lot of the shots are like through a doorway or through a window or mm. someone's in some sort of mm-hmm. like box or whatever, you know, it's uh, everything's like framed in, in that way. Um, like, you know, windows and doors especially play, play a massive part in it. And it's like, mm. like that's the frame for pretty much every, every shot that you see. Yeah. I think it, that helps as well. Doesn't it? I don't know if you noticed when you were watching it, the, the camera tracking. So it's almost like it's always on a, on a track following in through doors yeah. and through windows and stuff, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think on the one one big thing from a style point of view, I noticed as well is like the use of color. There's like the sets um, just hit you with like just an overwhelming amount of color. It like one part yeah. of the hotel is just completely orange, then it's completely red, and then like when they go to the the flash forward with Jude Law when it's like supposed to be like communist Russia or whatever, it's like all grey. It's all it's grim, isn't yeah, it? and it's just it's just that thing of um. Just taking one colour, one primary colour, and just blasting it all over everything. It's like the... Yeah, and I think... Oh, sorry. Sorry, go on. No, no, sorry. Go on. I, I was just going to say, even when the, the hotel's like, when they're looking when they're looking back at it, when Zero's like old and the, he's telling his story, even then when it's supposed to be like dilapidated and, and grim and dreary, even then it looks to me like quite colourful and quite, you know, quite mm. pleasing with orange walls and, you know, the concierge is still in his purple... <laughs> jacket and all that sort of thing like even when it's supposed to look grim it's like colors really stand out it's like the contrast has just been turned up on like every shot but then there's like yeah. that stark contrast between hot and cold or warm and, and cold so yeah. um i think there's the bit where that agatha is in a room um and that's like lit really warm but then when she goes to the rooftop where zero will be sneaking in it's like yeah. she blacks the blues and um you get that instant like change yeah yeah, it is striking at the start when it shows it like old and dilapidated and then goes straight to it being like bright pink on the outside and you can see that's obviously when it's in its prime and you can just tell straight away. And I think that's an interesting point that James about when it's when it's knackered and old but there's still like bright colours, it's like it's uh they're trying to sort of cling on to what it used to be like. Um and you can just see that contrast straight away, where it, but it, there's hardly anyone there and all that sort of thing. But I, I love that scene when he's in the bath, and uh, yeah. and he just speaks randomly. And Jude, well, Jude Law, who I didn't realise was Jude Law, he's <laughs> just like taken by surprise. Like who's this bloke just talking to me? That's brilliant. Who did you think Jude Law was? I've no that idea. I don't know. Just some ran- like you know, like actors that just pop up in big films and you don't really see them. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't even think. Even I knew that. <laughs> Can I can I ask a question? Like, why is it why is it called Grand Budapest Hotel and it's not in Budapest or Hungary? I mean, that was doing my head into that. It's always annoyed me. Like, why is it? I thought it it's was always irritated me. I don't know this for definite, but I thought it was all um, set in fictional Eastern European countries and towns and things, yeah. and then it was kind of just because obviously they do they do a lot of historical play where um, when you first see Ed Norton, it's like World War One. And then mm. later on, instead of the SS, you've got the ZZ mm. in yeah. World War Two. And then later on, when um, when the hotel's all dilapidated, the the narration over the top says the hotel's state-owned, which means it's under like communist Russian rule at that point because the state owns yeah. the hotel. And it's just got. So I think they like um, take real influence from real history, but mm. used fictional names and fictional things to keep it from being too serious. Yeah, no, no, no. I, re- I read even though it's um, even though it's called Budapest, I read that most a lot of his inspiration for it came from pr- uh, Prague. I think I don't know if you've ever been to Prague, but it, if you yeah. if you know that and then you watch it, it does does kind of make sense. It looks very because um, Prague's very like architecture wise, it's quite similar. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it has that that well, I, just about to offend half of Europe. It has that generic Eastern European <laughs> feel to it from a from a UK mm. point of view. Um, in terms yeah. of in terms of both the their old architecture and then the and then the 
communist architecture that then came in in, in the uh, like 80s, 70s, yeah. 80s. But yeah, that's yeah. no, just what it was weird. How he's got like the fake sort of pretend or almost real places that are obviously referencing it, but then he uses a real place name for the hotel. No, you know, weird. Still a good name though. Yeah, I think right. it's, it's one of those, um, Sorry, just on the name and stuff, because you said it was like, a, a, like one of your favourite films and stuff, and I didn't even think about it being one of my favourites until I rewatched it, and I just thought, oh, this would make top ten, maybe even top five now, I'm, I'm not sure. It's 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 just a really, really enjoyable film. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess the name doesn't really draw you in. I just When I think of oh, Grand Budapest Hotel, it, I always had like a, I don't know, like a really odd, thought towards it like oh, it won't be something that i'm interested in if it's if it's just about this yeah. this hotel it's not as if like it's it's horror or anything like that and i'm like oh it's it's comedy but then it's supposed to be like a, a caper set in the 1930s and i just oh, all these things kind of for me stacked up against it um but yeah then it ends up just being yeah. a great film it does sound like a bit of a like just from the name of it, it sounds like a bit of a stodgy sort of period kind of film that you might see like judy dench in or yeah. something like that doesn't it but <laughs> not yeah, a it's not until you realise like no. the cast and then the quirkiness and like what you touched on earlier about it being fun air but it's weird. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you just got to see it. So if anybody has not seen it, highly recommended. But it's not on Prime or Amazon, it, so you need to. You have to you have to pay to rent. But it's it's three pounds eighty to buy on DVD on Amazon. Just for anybody who has got Prime. But you've hit nail on Ed Fran because um, you know I put it on and Leon is sat in room and she was just messing about on a phone or whatever. Then I can't remember exactly what line it were, but something proper funny happened, and and then I just saw her just look up, and then she just didn't look down and just watched the entire film. And it's just I think it's that thing of I'm saying like Grand Budapest Hotel. I remember, I remember the poster. I never remember having any appetite to watch yeah. it, but having watched it, yeah, it's amazing. There's loads, but I guess well, I'm just going to say sorry, there's loads of the films that have got like a massive cast, but it's just not like this. No, it's no, hard to kind of describe, but yeah, everyone, everyone's part. I mean, um, William Defoe. I mean, I'm sure we'll go into it, but oh my god, I mean, his part in it just been that you know that hired thug was just incredible. Like, has he Paul, done a film where he's not a, a baddie? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to try and say Paul. Just William Defoe played Green Goblin, just so you know, <laughs> yeah. in case you didn't know who he was. <laughs> that's why I referred to him in my notes, but then I just remembered his name, like Defoe. Yeah, that's another one. <laughs> Before we get stuck into characters, James or Paul, one of you can one of you summarise the plot. This is always something we try and do. Just, you, just a brief summary of the plot for anybody who hasn't seen the film. To Go try, you'll be perfect. Oh my god! I, um, I'll, should I try and do it in what in like thirty seconds or something? I'll try and um, <laughs> well, try and wrap it up. There's no time pressure. Uh, if you don't do it, we're just going to murder your family. It's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Um, so um, the, there's a there's an old guy um, who's in a who's in his hotel that looks grim and dilapidated, and he's basically giving his story to a young author, played by Jude Law, who Paul didn't know was Jude <laughs> Law. Um, and then they basically bring to life this story that he's telling him. So uh, Rafe Fines is the concierge at the Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, and his new lobby boy Zero comes along um and he's basically a bit of a um what should we say he likes to womanize with the uh, old rich ladies that come and stay at the hotel uh, one of whom uh, uh, dies 
and leaves a very expensive work of art to him. Um, and her family and all their hired honchos don't really approve of that. So he steals it, goes on the run, uh, ends up getting arrested uh, and imprisoned. And yeah, I don't want to um, spoil it too much because we'll get into that later, but it's about the capers that ensue from there with his uh, escape from prison and trying to uh, basically uh, clear his name and cash in on this, this fortune that he's inherited. I'll tell you what, it, it, it's a great summer and also a terrible one at the same time. It, I, I, <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. If anybody listening, I think they'll just Three be like, five. what is this film? <laughs> yeah, it, do, it doesn't sound, yeah, it doesn't make it sound um, great. But what I will say is pretty much every line, like I think what you touched on earlier, um, Sam, anybody that's like in a room where it's on, it, every line's got you sort of hooked once you know, once you start to like get into it because... You're just expecting like something funny to happen at the end of every bit of dialogue, or you're expecting some kind of punchline to come up. And I think that's that. You know, uh, in addition to my boring summary of it just then, I think I'd say that there's just like there's just comedy and humour in pretty much every every line and every every bit. Yeah, every, of it. Just to be clear, your summary wasn't boring. It was it was amazing, but it was <laughs> it was it was it was amazing because it was so specific to you. That's what I loved about it. I think I agree with you. Like every interaction yeah. in it leads to something comical. There's nothing like sad, yeah. depressing, or boring about it. It's like everything. Everything just leads to something else that's like progressing the story. But then it's making you smile, or you're laughing at something. Um, it could be something that's like stupid, but then also quite graphic. And yeah, it's all all very good. I tried describing this earlier, um, and the feedback that I got was it sounds shit, and I just thought. <laughs> to someone that's not watched it, I get that that would be the like reaction, like the expected reaction. But it, you have to watch it, and I think Sam, you were saying about Leone watching. It, I just think that sums it up. That's how good it is. Yeah, definitely. yeah. I think I think there's there's something even funny in just the way, like if you, even if you had it on mute, I think <laughs> that it's like a cartoon. It's like the way that the characters move around, the way that they interact with each other, and their like body language. I think everything like there's the sort of like just comedy like dripping through like every aspect yeah. of it, not just the not just I think the dialogue. Make a good silent movie. Yeah, it would. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, let's put you on spot a little bit, Paul. What's your favourite scene or scenes? We'll we'll allow you a couple of scenes. I think just to be oh, friendly. Thank you, mate. I appreciate that. That's very generous. Um, <laughs> do you know what I, I, the first scene when? Um, Gustav comes in, do you know, they're uh, setting up, he's got all his workers and that, setting up the little dining table for his um, for his dinner with the, what's the name, Madame G or something. Uh, and he's like ordering them around, like saying, oh, uh, who's got the tickets, who's got, who's set the chairs up, give give me the tickets, all this sort of thing. And it's just brilliant. I just think it's such a good introduction to him. I find that a bit hilarious, I don't know why. My, uh, when my, um, girlfriend we were watching it was sat there blank face and I was just laughing my head off um, so but yeah and I, do you know what I think his one line is throughout the films as well uh, just fantastic I think hilarious um, also the dining cart bit when he starts telling that one of his little romantic poetry things and then just goes oh fuck it he just can't <laughs> do you know what I wonder if, I wonder if that was uh, Ralph Fiennes who just like 
one day, I, I always think like did he forget his lines or something and just did that and they said oh that's brilliant keep that in the, he, he breaks a few times though doesn't he so I don't know if you noticed um, I don't know if it's three or so times where he, he does kind of break his professionalism and then just just does that like yeah. oh fuck it and then oh holy shit you got him and <laughs> there's just a fourth as well yeah he just it's just completely unexpected and yeah a complete curveball Oh, when he's saying that he's in the um, when he's looking at Boy with Apple in that room, and he goes, "This is this is amazing. This is a, a, an unbelievable piece of art. All the rest of the stuff in here is just worthless shit or something." Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> just class. Honestly. Everything Sorry. else in here is just shit. I think um, I know you mentioned it when they're in that when they're in the uh, the train car when the when they're dining on the way to see the lady, and he, and he just says to Zero, he says. Uh, she was absolutely dynamite in the sack. <laughs> because she was 84. I have had older. <laughs> Weren't he describing him as, as cuts of beef? Was oh, the I mean, yeah. yeah. The whole, the whole yeah, most people like prime him. cuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about right. you, James? Um, for me, I think um, I've got a couple. I think the prison escape scene from start to finish is just brilliant. Like the planning of it. Um, sneaking the little tools into the cakes, the fact that the um, the prison like warden or whatever cuts into everybody's parcels apart from the cakes because they're too like too beautiful to touch, and he doesn't recognise that they've got little digging tools in them. Uh, and then the whole sequence of it just reminds me of like I don't know, it reminds me of a cartoon, just the way it's done. Mm. Um, yeah, they, like they pull that table out as soon as the uh, like lights go off or whatever at night, and they start digging. Um, and they, they eventually get through, and then there's a bit where they um, they have to cross through the prison guards like dorm, and there's all those beds lined up, and some of some of them crawl under, some of them like zip wire across, and some of them are like jumping from bed to bed. It's just, I mean, it's obviously like massively um, unrealistic and a bit daft, but that whole scene is just joyous. I think. Yeah, I think as well when they're using like the tiny hammers and the tiny chisels, <laughs> yeah. and it just shows them digging and they're like obviously making zero progress. And then later on when they're chiseling at the iron bars, it's got the, just that exactly the same thing. Like six guys all framed in the window, all just yeah. tapping away doing absolutely nothing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then uh, I, th- I think the other one would be. Um... The bit where they're, they're calling around all the hotels, you know, when he starts to enlist the um, cross oh, keys, cross keys, yeah, society, yeah, and they're all they're all like doing some other like important work, and <laughs> each one of them like passes it on to their lobby boy or whatever, and says, uh, "You take over." So there's someone doing CPR, you take over. Um, <laughs> someone like taste testing some food, you take over. Just, just, yeah. just brilliant. And it's one of those scenes that, like, it goes on for quite a while, and you're like, how many different like concierges are they going to go to here? But you actually don't never want it to end. You just want it to be, you know, be an endless amount because it's just it's, never gets boring. It's like ever escalating circumstances, isn't it? And then it kind of when it got to that CPR one, it's almost like you you're thinking, oh, what could possibly be next? Yeah. Um, what other situation could they do? Yeah. It's also so, in that scene as well. You get that you get that color thing we talked about earlier. Um, where like each hotel's got its colour and the uniforms. Because I remember there's like a guy in like um like a Sikh turban, and it's like bright orange. Yeah. And he's yeah. like holding it. He's holding the axe because he's like the hotel's on fire or something. And he's like, and then he passes it to the lobby boy and he's like, you take over. And it's just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely brilliant. 
Can have I, you got any other... Sorry, go on. I was going to throw something out there. I think me and James are discussing this today. I think... Um, do you think he actually did the murder? Or if there's any doubt over it? Because I, I think it hints in the film that he did. Um, and I'll, I'll explain why. Do you know um, Jeff Goldblum's the lawyer? So it introduces him as his lawyer and they're having like a little clandestine meeting in the Grand Budapest. And then literally the next scene is they find out that woman's dead. And it turns out he's the he's the um, executor of her estate, and all of a sudden, like Gustav's been given that painting. Uh, I thought that was hinting that he might have done it. Did did any of you get that? Or because I know James was saying, no, I think he's trying to clear his name. He didn't do it, but I think I wasn't sure. Me, I was thinking, did he do it? And trying to figure it out throughout the whole thing, and if he's like a master manipulator. No, I think I think he would have so because he he was actually the um the benefactor in both wills, wasn't he? In will one and then will two, in case she was murdered. Yeah, and yeah. He, he was oblivious think... to that, weren't he? The second one. So the second will, he got everything, didn't he? The second will, yeah. was, uh, he gets the entire estate. Mm. Yeah, and I think the fact that they send uh... so many like hired goons out to try and stop him and kill him or whatever, um, I think that that shows you that the the family, you know, um. Had something to hide there. Hmm. What do you think of the scene, of the will reading scene? I'm surprised that didn't make a didn't make a favourite scene because it's, I think it's incredible. The particular the bit where, um, oh man, why do I keep going blank on his name? Guy who played pianist, Adrian uh, Broder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bit where Adrian Brody just starts shouting all the homophobic <laughs> slurs at him, and then he says <laughs> yeah. to it, he says to him, "You damn little fruit!" And he's and then Ralph Fine says. Well, why would you say that? Do you not know how that would make me feel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that punching bit as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the random, yeah, punching to people. I admit, no, that one. I'm just saying, like, I'd really yeah. like punching everyone before that. <laughs> yeah. It's where he accuses him of sleeping with his mother. And he goes, I thought I was supposed to be a faggot. And he goes, you're, <laughs> you're bisexual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I think we I think we've we've drifted onto it, but I think it's an it's a natural uh, evolution. Have you got any favourite lines from the film? Oh, the there's first, so, James? Yeah, there's just, well, there's so many. Like I was saying, every every line almost is like got a punchline at the end of it. But I've got a couple that I, I had to make a note of because I just thought there's too many. I'm gonna have to write at least one or two down. Um, so one of them I really love, which might be a bit of a I don't know if anyone else really. Um, thought it was that great but we'll see um when uh a Jop- uh william defoe's character is it joplin mm. joplin when he throws uh jeff goldblum's cat out the window and uh he, there's a pause and then he just says did he just throw my cat out the window <laughs> <laughs> yeah that cat bit like i like completely zoned out for all that happening and then like later on don't jeff goldblum just have the cat in a carrier bag like yeah. a dead cat and then he yeah. and then it looks really important to him, and then he just bins it, which is just typical of this film. They just like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, um, walks out into that square, yeah. and then just yeah, yeah. And then another another favorite line is um, when when um, when uh, Gustav and Zero are on the train, and they're talking about what to do with the painting, and he's saying, "Oh, I'll, I'll never, I'll never part with it. I'll I'll die with it above my bed." And then he just there's a pause, and he says, "Actually, we should sell it." 
yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that that is so good. I, I mean, I'll, I'll never sell this pain. It will remind me of her always. Yeah. I will hang it above my bed at night, and then, like you say, and then just laid in bed, and he goes, "In fact, we should sell it." <laughs> and then, um, following that, when he's talking, to, he's, he's saying to Zero about, um, you know, when he says a zero, you'll get one point five percent or whatever, and they having this whole thing, and he says, "Yeah, but Zero, think once I'm dead, you'll get everything." Well, everything that we haven't spent on holes and whiskey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Paul? You got any favourites? I just like how he calls everyone darling. Like it doesn't matter who it is, he's calling them like you know, Zed zigzag soldiers. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> he goes, That's uh, that's an immigrant visa, darling. He goes, that, that's when he's like at his most calm before um, <laughs> before they touch zero. <laughs> Yeah, because I think that's um that's a style of the film where there's certain words like like you say like darling and um did you pick up on when they, they all use candy ass and yeah. I've never heard candy ass ever said before but when he comes when he comes to see uh, Gustav in prison he says oh, what happened to you and he says I had to I had to beat this guy up because he you know he were calling me a candy ass or something yeah. he's like what you've just mind it's just mind him of my favorite line when he's talking about Pinky so he has that massive fight with him and goes he's actually become a dear friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That were a very that were a, that were an excellent delivery of that line by the way, Paul. I don't know if, if they need you in case Ralph Fines ever drops out in future, but <laughs> Yeah, I had to fit in a few impressions. I've been going on in the office all day today. How about the um doing prison he's he's I think well it's not his first introduction to that gang, but he is providing them with the um, the cakes from that. Um, cake place, I can't remember what they call it. Mendel's. Um, that's the one. And the, the main, like, ringleader of the group turns to him and says, oh, oh it, it could be one of his goons, but he's like, oh, you're a really straight fellow. <laughs> and then Ralph Fiennes replies saying, well, I've never been accused of that. <laughs> what's, a, what's a lovely thing to say? <laughs> oh, when they're escaping and it's still in prison. Um, and they, you know, they kind of they drop the ladder down, which takes like a few seconds for it to kind of reach the bottom. It's just like a really ridiculously long ladder. Um, and they're going past that room and that guy's going to, he's trying to shout, the guard's like, guards, guards, they're escaping. And then a guy that looks like Woody Harrelson kind of grabs him, um, takes him out into the, the back of the room and kind of like disposes of him and comes back to the window and he just turns to him and he's like, ah, oh, you know, very sweet, kind man you are. And then they carry on like descending to their escape. <laughs> I just thought like, his delivery of like, Every time that he's he's talking to somebody is is amazing. Like Ralph Fiennes yeah. in this film is, yeah, incredible. He's an absolute beast. Yeah, most of his most of his dialogue is like that kind of um, deadpan, like quite low key um, kind of dialogue until he like absolutely screams <laughs> at Serge in the uh, confession booth. Oh. Thing. It's been a fucking nightmare. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, gets the story and then yeah, he's taken out. Yeah, yeah. I guess um. It might be obvious that Ralph Fiennes is obviously the star of the show, but I guess um, in terms of characters and everything, do you have any other favourites besides uh, besides Gustav? Paul, you want to take it away? Uh, you got any favourite characters? To be honest, it, it's it's just all about Ralph Fiennes for me. Honestly, I think he's unreal. Um, it's, I, I think he's just the main for me. He's my favourite character. I know you said is there anyone else, but I can't look past anybody else. I'm sorry. I've, my loyalties lie with him. It's well, the obvious, the obvious next answer is zero, isn't it? I mean, 
Zero is I, I don't know what it is about him, but he's just he he looks like a lost sort of child, but he's got that sort of um, he's got that confidence and that comedy about him as well that he's just always got a like an answer for everything. He's always got a quip, um, and you know de- dead um, sort of deadpan delivery all the time. But just um, the way him and um, him and Gustav just interact and talk to each other is just brilliant. Yeah, so them two have got like yeah. a good chemistry on screen. Um, did you know? I don't know what that um, actor's name is, but this is like his his first starring role. Yes, yeah, uh, no. Tony Revolori, is it? Yeah, yeah. I thought for like a supporting um, a supporting role, he was he was very good. Mm. Yeah, he's he's really. I mean, he looks about twelve, <laughs> doesn't he? So, <laughs> don't yeah, know what he actually was at the time of. We touched on him a bit earlier, but what about Willem Dafoe? He, he almost, um, strangely, has like this weird underbite. Yeah. Like he doesn't have an underbite in real life, but it looks like he's almost managed to set his jaw slightly off centre. So, and he shows like a couple of teeth. It's, I just thought he was incredible. No, he gave me the creeps. I didn't like him. Honestly, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. got that. He's got that menacing sort of gun, and it. it's. I think it's like his um, short trousers and his high heels that sort of. Um, I mean, it's obviously a deliberate thing, but that just makes it even more weird. The knuckle dusters as well. Yeah. Yeah, because his knuckle dusters are almost individual, just gold rings, yeah. aren't they? It's like. No, oh, yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, good point. That's that's uh, excellent. Um, yeah, observation, that, mate. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> I am the boss. <laughs> that, I'll, I'll tell you about scenes that put me about. Is that one where he's being chased through the museum? Just gave me anxiety. I hate <sighs> it. Such a good scene, though. It's yeah. clever, yeah. It's really well done, but oh god, it's horrible. Yeah, when but he takes his shoes off. Yeah, yeah. The way it finishes with his fingers getting <laughs> like, comically like <laughs> sliced off in a door, and he's having his fingerprints yeah, taken, and, and it's missing like the floor. Yeah. Floor <laughs> <laughs> Just that scene, though. There's there's one shot in there. Um, this is like circling back around to the beginning, but the style. There's one shot where I think because all the all of that all those scenes kind of um, stitched together are just literally like the camera sat um, straight on everything's like center of frame. The character's running towards it. Might turn left at like some point and stuff, but it's very ninety degrees and straight on shots. There's no real like crazy camera work. But there's one shot where um, Jeff Goldblum turns to the camera um, and it's quite a dark scene. He's got the hat on and glasses, and it's only the glasses that reflect light. Um, so he just looks like this. Um, you, you said earlier about it being a cartoon, and I just think that particular shot looked very cartoonish, like it could be a front cover, like a even a comic, or um, yeah, just a, a kids a kids cartoon. It was just a very unique mm. style and and the way that it was shot. But then again, it also like you were saying, Sam earlier about the colours throughout that entire chase scene, even when he's like dumping the cat in the in the bin and, and running off and. The way that characters are kind of like coming in and out of the shots and stuff, yeah, it's all broken up. There's just a different color scheme throughout, and then you get that end shot with the fingers um, and him <laughs> just walking out into the into the snow. But yeah, it was a very good scene. Mm. I guess, obviously, without a shadow of a doubt, everybody's a, a big fan of this film. But is is there any parts of the film you don't like? Anything that that just bugs you a little yeah, bit? Yeah, Gustav being killed, being executed. That's it's hard to take that. 
Yeah, it seems a bit of a, bit of a week way out of uh, considering how long the story yeah. is and how long the film is. It did seem a bit of a, a weak, easy way to just wrap up that part. Yeah, I wonder why he did that. I wonder if he's just... Because yeah, it's a weird way because he, he's so central to it and obviously the the viewer builds up. Obviously most people like him and then it's like, right, he's gone and he's been killed. It's a bit of a like, oh, I didn't really expect that. Um, anticlimactic. Although... Yeah. In essence, it is almost a, re- a reflection of Gustav because when Gustav has those moments where he's reciting poetry yeah. and then he just cuts it short and says, oh, <laughs> fuck it, you know, and just like wraps it up. It's almost like that in the film. It's like, you know, you've had this whole long poetic film full of emotion to draw you in and then just to yeah. snap, snap you out of it kind of thing. Wasn't it the same with Agatha and... Um, yeah. It, it, they just kind of died because of a disease and there's no like, oh. You don't see them older, I don't think. No. Yeah, no. yeah I think with Gustav, like you're right. I think it, he like can't be he can't be bothered to finish anything, even his life kind of thing. It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's that it's that sort of um, that sort of theme. But I think um, because he came into all that sort of fortune and stuff like that, it, I, I don't know if it's kind of like um, I don't know, trying to make you feel sorry for the fact that he didn't. Like really live to enjoy it or anything like that. I'm not sure what 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 that device is. The the views there by killing him off. I don't know. Maybe, um, just his misfortune really because he seemed to like hit trouble wherever he went. So maybe they're just trying to highlight the fact. Oh, finally, you know, he's got something to his name and he's he's dead straight away. Yeah, maybe that's supposed to reflect the more negative side of Gustav, the greed, the greed side of it. Yeah, but um, is there any, is there anything else, James, that bugged you? Uh, I don't know. I struggle really. I mean, even like some of the more like ridiculous stuff, you kind of like forgive it because it is meant to be like um, cartoonish looking, really. Like the um, skiing bit, you know, where the skiing and cha- the chasing him, um, chasing him on the sled, Zero and, and Gustav, and it's just it's just ridiculous. Like the whole thing, like the speed that they're moving at, just the whole thing is just absolutely bonkers. Um, he did like I did look at it a bit and think that just looks just looks silly. But then I guess you just have to put that to one side. I don't yeah, know. Like... Yeah, I think that's I think that's very class Wes, Wes Anderson style that he does those kind of things where he uses the green screens and the and the the bad graphics on purpose. Yeah, yeah. like the miniature models where you can it's obviously miniature. Yeah, I quite like that though. It sort of fits yeah, with so... it, doesn't it? It's like it's. Yeah, it's not it's not something that bothered me. I just thought that bloody sled's going like <laughs> must be going the speed of sound or something down <laughs> that fell off that, down be, that mountain. Dead. <laughs> but I'm more of a realist, so maybe that's why uh, that particular thing I noticed. But yeah, yeah it's definitely. Um, I think it's about the charm of the film, and it? it's like this whole film's like a charm offensive on you. It just the dialogue, the sets, everything's charming, and even those little quirky. Um, technical issues that are put in there on purpose it's all just supposed to add to the charm mm. of the film yeah to be honest i just i just i'm just a, a bit of a fanboy so i can't really think of anything that bothered no, me no so. no you don't have to <laughs> we don't have to tear into everything but um yeah. would you would you both say this film's rewatchable what kind of period of time do you have to before you could rewatch this uh well like i said i've seen it three times i'd watch it i'd watch it again tomorrow honestly i mean if i'd kept watching it every day i'd <laughs> Probably get sick of it, but yeah, honestly, I would. Uh, I'd watch it again tomorrow. Mate. Yeah, 
it's just got so many lines in it and so much like I mean when we were talking about favourite dialogues and stuff like that there's just so many that you could pick like a different one each mm. time like if you if you rewatched it you'd probably you probably think oh yeah I picked like I laughed most at that this time you probably pick a different one yeah. so I think yeah I agree with Paul like you could you could watch it um, a few times over you and could over watch it again and think this is actually like a war film as well and like you could tell someone oh this this is a war film and they'd believe it when they watch it and then you could say oh it's just a comedy about a hotel but it's got loads of different layers to it it's really weird yeah I, I think this is a bit this would be a perfect film for almost like a yearly tradition like if you watch yeah. this like Christmas morning or something you could you, you could just watch it every year and like you say, find something new about it every time that you'd that you'd love. Well, let's yeah, uh, let's sorry, go on. sorry, go. On. No, 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 I was just gonna say it's it's, um, it's just again, it's such a good film to like look at, you know, visually as well. That 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 won't bore you either. I don't think. I think you could probably say that like you'd find new things in it. Even like I said right at the beginning of the podcast um, when I first joined about, I could just rewatch it again. And I think there's so much detail in each of those scenes that you'd probably spot something new each time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Let's put you both on the spot. And um, let's hear your ratings out of 10. Paul, you can go first. What what would you score this out out of 10? All day long, honestly. Unbelievable. Faultless. Faultless (laughs) film. He named a fault a minute ago, but it's faultless now. (laughs) It's only a very, very tiny, tiny fault. All right, nine point nine out of ten. <laughs> no, no, stick with ten. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's got it's got to be a ten all the way, mate. Honestly. What about you? Yeah, well, I'm I'm the other way around because I couldn't even name a fault, but I'm just going to say nine point five. I'm not like a ten guy, to be honest. I, I don't tend to. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's as good as it gets for me that I'm I'm not. Um, yeah, I'm not, think... I'm not. I'm not as hyperbolic as Paul is about <laughs> these things. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I think I think ten doesn't exist until you've truly seen it. You know, what I mean, it's it's I think that perfection thing. But no, I, we respect both <laughs> scores, even though Paul's is obviously nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess so. We we kind of touched on it earlier, but I think um, another Wes and Wes Anderson film's got to be on both your watch list now because. I, I would recommend Fantastic Mix, Mr. Fox. I know um, Fran mentioned Isle of Dogs, and I know Lewis is a big fan of Isle of Dogs. Yeah, both, very good so, um, I think that they're, they're definitely on um, on some other. What watch would list. you rate uh, Grand Budapest? Ooh, I I don't. I'm gonna Ben. What would you rate? <laughs> Deflection. Deflection. Fred, what would you rate? It? Dan. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Technical issues. Dan is not here yet. Um, uh, it's a nine out of ten. Isn't it? If if I was gonna, if you pull me up on faults, I'd say that it's not long enough. I feel like for some reason going into this, I was quite surprised when I rented it and it said it was one hour forty. And I thought, where's Anderson? All of his mm. characters, one hour forty. I expected over the two hour mark. And in some respects, like some films, I think you can get away with being under two hours maybe it's it's good that it's not because it's quite a, a short tight story and the only problem is um what you guys alluded to um which was not finishing off stories but then i kind of probably agree with sam in that that was intentional and it had nothing to do with runtimes and interference from studios and all that other bollocks i think it's just he had a story and he's he's presented it perfectly so i'd give it a nine that's a solid yeah. score 
I I think that's fair. I think it. I think it. There's there's got to be no doubt in my mind that it's that it's eight eight or nine out of ten. It's just it's um it's flaws, and I think its audience is so wide. Like I was saying earlier about me and Leon and my wife watching it. Her sense of humour is very different to mine, but we both were laughing at a lot of the same stuff. Um, and I think that speaks volumes to the film, just how it, how the comedy, you know, can be so universal. But is there anything you don't you didn't mention? I know I've been chucking questions at you. Is there anything is there anything that that you think about the film that's interesting, or you just want to throw out there? Well, uh... absolutely not. That sounds good. <laughs> <to it. laughs> uh, was... was there any? I've got a quick question. Sorry. Go on. Um, were there any characters that you didn't like? So there's so many cameos, you know. You've yeah. got um, Edward Norton, Jeff Goldblum. Obviously, Ralph Fiennes is the the star of the the whole thing. But um, was there anybody that you were like, ah, maybe it's a, an actor that you've seen in another film, and when you saw him in this, you were like, no, I weren't really feeling that. I can't say now because I gave it a ten out of ten, didn't I? So I, can't, I love everyone. It would. I'd have to scrub that out and be like, yeah. oh, actually, food circle. Really yeah. nice. <laughs> Are you not going to say no, anything else? I'm now. done. Though. I'll give it a ten out of ten. <laughs> so I really say really positive things. So I can't answer that question. Mic drop yeah, and just walk off. Oh, he's left. Oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> it's amazing as well. You thought it was 10 out of 10 and you didn't even know Jude Law. But... <laughs> oh, dear. Honestly, I don't know why. I just didn't even think. But, uh, but yeah, I did. Willem Dafoe was good. His character put me about a bit. Uh, but I thought that's intentional, obviously, because he's not going to be a nice person in it. Um, yeah. People I didn't like. Uh, honestly... No. Cool. No. It's a 10 out of 10, like, like I said. Do you know what I mean? I can't... It's faultless. Faultless. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think um, they did an amazing job with it, but making Tilda Swinton oh, into like a 90-year-old woman. I did read about um, that, yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit weird. Um, but what is she, like 50-odd at the time? Um, so that, yeah, that's a bit a bit strange. But, but yeah, other than that, I don't know. There's, no, there's like obviously characters that you like and don't like, like, you know, Dimitri. Yeah. Um, you know, he's you're not supposed to be rooting for him, but you know he's he's crucial to the story, so you can't say you can't say that you take him out, can you? True. No. Yeah. So uh, let let's just get let's just plug it time. Food circle supermarket, reducing food waste, cheap protein bars. What what's the website, guys? They can reach you at. Website is uh, foodcirclesupermarket.co.uk, or if you like, you know, ninety nine percent of the population, you don't actually type the full. Uh, web address into your browser anymore just google food circle we're the first uh, first result and yeah check us out facebook food circle supermarket instagram tiktok we don't do any dancing at the minute but we might start doing at some point you can see a video of me eating a load of packet of crisps on there which we've just done today uh, all the usual places classic content and you're going to be putting out your own podcast at some point in the near future yeah absolutely yeah, we we think it's going to be called business life, but because honestly, I don't know how hard it was it was for you to find and think of a name, but it's taken us. It's been the hardest part of doing a podcast is thinking of a decent name. What about business slice and have it food related? <laughs> Make it sound like that's a bakery. Good, that's, <laughs> that's not bad. I like that. <laughs> you welcome. I, I don't like it, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, I think you know, it's 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 two uh, two young fellas. Don't know your exact ages, but who started their own business? You know, I think it'll be interesting to 
to hear about what you what how you came up with idea and stuff. So I look forward to that. But yeah, just, I just want to say thanks for having us on here. You know, because it's been uh, it's been great. You guys picking the film and um, hearing your thoughts on it, and and there's two you know highly experienced film experts slash <laughs> didn't know Jude Law uh, slash didn't know what Mr. Doubtfire is. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, you know, you thoroughly fit in with all the Amigos. Oh, that's great. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having us on. And uh, yeah, I hope we didn't embarrass ourselves too much. Yeah, it's no. a great film choice, by the way. Yeah. So yeah, nice one, guys. Nice one. Thank you. Yeah, Cheers, so I think... appreciate that. Cheers, guys. Go away, watch some Wes Anderson films. And in future, we'll, uh, we'll have you back for another episode if you're up for it. Nice one. Appreciate it. Cheers, guys. Nice one. Speak to you, boys. Cheers, guys. Nice See you one. later. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye-bye. Right, so we just want to say another big thanks to Paul and James for joining us. And due to technical issues, the man himself has returned. Big Dan. Dan. What's going on, brother? Hello. Thanks for allowing me back in. (laughs) Don't be like that. Don't be like that. There was was a participant, maximum participant audio issue, and Big Dan was the last attempt joining. And due to his failure in punctuality, he therefore was not part of the initial interview with Paul and James. But that's fair. Look, that is fair. That is well, it's whatever I say, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Dictator Sam. Uh yeah, Grand Budapest Hotel. We've just we've obviously just been asking guys to kind of run through uh, favourite scenes, favourite favourite dialogue and stuff. So let, let let's get into it from an amigo's point of view. And Dan, since you've just joined, you you can open. Um, what was your, what were your favourite scene or scenes in this film, Dan? Assuming you had some, assuming you didn't hate it. Oh no, no, I loved it as well. I'm assuming everyone else did. Yeah, Dan, Dan yeah. quick one, just interject. But first time viewing or multiple? No, I had seen it before. So yeah, I think was it your guys' first time? It so, was my first time. Yeah, yeah, I think I've I was seen it a few the... times already. Yeah, yeah. I think I was the only new bit to it. Yeah, okay. But you enjoyed it. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I think it, I think it's fantastic. Oh, that's just Ralph finds generally just steals the show, doesn't he? It's just hard to pick out any particular individual bits, but no, oh, I can give you yeah. thousands. You got thousands of individual bits. <laughs> well, let, let me let me just put one up, throw the, one out the, there. The I only think, bits are just the title cards, but everything else. I think um, I think the I think the first thing that the first gust I've seen that like <laughs> caught my attention is just when um, it's like got the narration over the top about how, how he's um, looking after the the rich elderly women. Yeah. yeah, and and he's basically saying about how he dines with them and stuff, and it shows him in bath, and then it just and then it's. It, this is his words, not mine. He talks about he talks about old needy women, but then the shot yeah, rich, is just it's just him. Rich. Yeah, sorry. No. Yeah, <laughs> was it rich, old, insecure, vain, blonde, needy? Yeah, and then the shot is just him getting a blowjob off a really old woman, and it's just that <laughs> that moment. I was like, this is not a film that I thought it was, having having never seen it before. Yeah, yeah that's one of those shots that I, I think I've missed the first time. Yeah, it's so quick, it's like a blink and you miss yeah, it's, it's like a it's like a few seconds, isn't it? Yeah. But it's like we were saying, it's it's one you can rewatch and catch new stuff each time. 
Yeah, the, oh, yeah there's another one where Food Circle guys mentioned about the prison scene and zip line, and I'm like, I don't remember that, but <laughs> yeah, there is a zip line. Yeah, I remember. Is is that's is another exactly the same thing. It's like literally must have missed. dipped my nachos in sauce and then missed that bit. But continue. But yeah, I think you're right about sort of if you didn't know what the film was as you were going in, you'd have thought. Like, well, like some of the artwork and stuff for the it looks shit promo bits, but <laughs> just the name of it, you think, oh, it's just going to be some old time nineteenth century something or other. But, Faulty but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's obviously something far from that. I liked a lot of the dialogue on any of the train scenes. Yeah, I mean. The, the 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 cuts of meat we've kind of mentioned it briefly earlier with the guys, but <laughs> the cuts of meat conversation that's all incredible, isn't it? I love how yeah. both the train scenes just mirror each other, even though you know what's coming. You're like, what again? Like they're waiting to board the train, but it's the fact that it's like obviously the the different time period, but you knew what was coming. You knew the second that he handed them his his like visa, his, his identification card, or whatever it were. Um, you knew that Gustav would, would play it all cool and be like, darling this and darling that. And, you know, the, is, the vain aspect of him comes out then when he's saying, like, oh, my photo card doesn't look great. But, um, and then he just loses cool. But it's like, you've seen it before, but it's still funny even the second time round. Yeah, it's always bits of like the little negotiation they have over <laughs> yeah. the amount of the, the sales price he'll get the boiled apple. <laughs> oh, yeah. That that bit. we were talking about that bit before, Dan. But you know, just when he's when he's talking about how I will never sell this, it will remind me of a rose. It will be above my bed. And just, <laughs> anyway, in fact, we should sell it. I think some of some of just like even small dialogue for like really significant stuff. The the bit when Gustav and Zero find out that the that the um, elderly customer of the hotels died, and he turns to Gustav, he um, turns to Zero, and he says. Um, she needs us. Well, she needs me, and I need you to carry my bags and stuff. <laughs> I love the bit where the police arrive at the the hotel where they're, they're hiding oh my God. the painting in the safe, and he's like, "Have you ever been questioned by the authorities?" And he's like, <laughs> "I was catching and tortured by the rebel militia in the desert uprising." He's like, "You know the drill, then zip it." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when yeah. he runs up the stairs as well, just after they meet <laughs> oh, yeah. him in the lobby. Yeah, I thought it was the running upstairs thing you were going to say, just how he comes down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah. It, that's amazing. What about the bit when he's looking over the um, the old the old woman's corpse and he says, "I don't know what cream they put on you down at the morgue, but I, I only want some." Quala. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just think there's. <laughs> Just some amazing stuff. Um, here's a question for you: Who plays um, the wolf in Pulp Fiction and Mister White in Reservoir Dogs? Because he has a cameo in the prison as like the head of the gang. Oh, the tattoo dude, Harvey Yeah, yeah. What's his name? Harvey Did you Keitel. know? Oh, is that? Is that? Yeah, that. I think just that amazing bit when it pans around to him <laughs> and you see him, and he's like covered in all those tats, but it's just that his face is so recognizable, obviously, and it's just. Just that bit when they they said to Gustav like, "You want to you want the gang now," and he's just like, "Oh boys, thank you so much." <laughs> and, it, and and then it the bit when he puts the cakes out and he says, 
can you pass me the throat slitter? Then he's passing the shank. <laughs> he's only just finished it cutting in half and it's already disappeared and he's like, oh, cool. Yeah. And then there's a bit later on where they see the guards through the hole and the and Gunter gets the throat slitter and just jumps in and starts buttering up guards. <laughs> and that, that leads to what is definitely going to be my favourite line when um when he meets Zero outside and he says, this is Pinky, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so. And then he just says, but Gunter was slain in the catacombs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of the, the prison stuff was good. Yeah, the escape. The uh, Aziz, he suddenly like becomes the um, his equivalent role from the hotel. He just turns into that into the prison. Don't he? When he's here, uh, taking the food cart around and dishing out the mush. Well, his, his transition from the hotel staff member to to like yeah prison. Yeah. Um, Straight into that role, prison caterer. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of Willem Dafoe, Dan? Yeah, it's a good little villain. Chasing around, chopping off fingers. Any dialogue? Or is he, is he completely silent? He has a bit, because he, when he talks to like Edward Norton, don't he, when he's, he somehow gets into the prison, doesn't he? He's like... Ah, oh, yeah. Because he, he, he has an exchange in that room, doesn't he? he got rid of Death Gold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he notices the... Um, Something outside the prison room um, that leads him back to like Cake Place, Mendel's or Mendel's whatever mm. it is. What about what his about death? The though? Oh, oh, the cat scene. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just collecting it in a bag on the way out of the building. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it earlier with Food Circle guys, but that's just the bit when he puts it in the bin as well. It's just like they, it's just the the. It, it's just these little finishing touches on all the pieces of dialogue and all the scenes that just that just made this film so great. I quite like the um, the star bit with Jude Law, with Jude Law as well. The whole um, his whole narration because we never really not really mentioned it yet, but it actually starts with a girl reading the book, the Grand Budapest yeah. Hotel. Yeah, so I feel like, like I think there's four different timelines or not timelines but yeah and then it's it's like reminiscing about when she saw the author on tv and he's reminiscing about the time he had the interview but when it when it's cute law's character actually narrating from inside the hotel the dialogue is is almost like you read in the book so when he when he first sees uh mr mustafa the grown-up zero and he describes him as like um a weary old man but describes like how his eyes are full of life I love how that's all like as if you were reading the book. Yeah, I mean the the Ryan in this film is just it's just immense, isn't it? It's just so good. Um like you say, I think all, all all the narration, all the dialogue and everything, I just it truly is it is truly is um yeah. faultless, isn't it? It's just Yeah. I know James and Paul were saying they didn't like the end. But I I really like the end. I like the What didn't they like about it? It's just the, just kind just of the, like... the abruptness yeah. of how Gustav's kind of just killed off with, you know, yeah. off off camera, yeah. wrapped it all up kind of quickly. But for me, it's like because it's a story being told to you. For me, the whole middle bit with Ralph Fiennes is almost like it's almost borderline fairy tale. Yeah, 
the, the way it's shot and the precision of the shots and how the story is told, it's almost like it's like a memory, but it's like the idea, the idealistic version of your memory. There's no like um, flaws or or the grimy detail. It's almost like it's this fairy tale memory he has, and then at the end that all gets swept away with that when he's narrating about all they eventually shot him. Yeah, because the the whole film is. And I just I just love how that. I think I just packed such a punch because you're forgetting about yeah. this is World War Two and with the basically the SS. But I think it... yeah, sort of the same with like his relationship with um, is it Agatha, his his girlfriend, yeah, like Agatha. how he sort of doesn't deal with um, talking about her particularly. Like yeah. And then when he when he cuts back to him in the restaurant and all the lights dim down and like it all goes black and use of color to convey the tragedy of it all. I think I think it's just brilliant. I just really like that. End. I just really like the tragedy and the the melancholy of it all. It's like a theater yeah, play, yeah, isn't it? It's like um, the, it's like mm. them, the, the two of them. So at this point, it's Jude Law and Grown Up Zero. Um, and the lights dimming down makes you feel like, well, I thought anyway, like being at a theater, that big paint in the background, everything was like a a, a set dressing. Um, and the actual like that middle section that you mentioned, Ben, it's almost like you forget that it's it's actually Zero's story, not like Ralph Fiennes. And I think yeah. that ties into why, because um, I, I don't mind the ending. Like I said, my, my negative point was like I just kind of wanted it to continue. I wanted to see more stories and more random bits. Um, so I'd have been quite happy um, for it to, to continue a bit more. But um, yeah, I think the way that it ends also plays into the fact that it's zero stories and not Gustav's. Yeah, it's yeah. just about his relationship. Yeah, so he's not going to see the the, yeah. the end because, well, I'm assuming, um, you know, kind of transitioning from lobby boy to something else. But um, yeah, I thought that. Yeah, thought it was really good. I think yeah, you, when you mentioned about the lights dimming and stuff, yeah, it's a really cool way of presenting that. Yeah. Also, and if anyone noticed the second the second train scenes in black and white, again, it's the use of color to convey serious and the tragedy of it mm. all. Which I thought oh, was really are all in black and white. Obviously, all, all, the, all the soldiers are dressed in black, aren't they? Yeah, um, yeah, they've gotten... Because I know, I know you, said, you said you saw it as like World War One to World War Two, but I saw it more as, the, as like brown shirts, the, the full-on SS. Well, no, because the, the reason why I said that is because I think... Um, Zero's story about how he had to flee because of war was the um, the first Russian Revolution. So the the you know the Bolshevik uh, Revolution, and then the first set of soldiers are almost like Prussian German World War One, um, and then. That's then you get the second war, which obviously the ZZ is SS. That that I'm not saying that's accurate. I'm just saying that's that's how I kind of connect the history dots because, like I say, it's it's almost all just used to influence, and it's just to say we took this from history, but it's not actually specifically about that, so it doesn't really matter. It's just yeah, it's all fictionalized places and countries and and that yeah. sort of thing, isn't it? But yeah, I think Dan, we we're asking other guys. Um, we we're just talking about other Wes Anderson films. Have you uh, 
you're a big fan of, of his him as a director. Seen many of his other films. Or... So the only one that I think I've watched was Rushmore, which was like one of his very early ones. But it's like not quite as like stylized as this one, obviously, isn't like a lot more of his recent ones are. So I think I need to see more. So I think there's sort of there's quite a few before this that are sort of highly rated. So mm, we've got two. Any? What have you seen? Um, well, I think Sam, Ben, have you seen mm. Fantastic Mr. Fox? No, I, th- I think the only one I've seen is the the Life Aquatic. Of, is it Stephen? The, yeah, it's got a really like yeah strange surname. Yeah, I think I've seen. Boy, it was a long time ago. Same. I can't really remember it too much. Apart I can't from the remember ending. it, but I imagine it's awesome. Very conference a shark. Bill Murray isn't it? So. Yeah, but yeah, I Wilson. think he tends to like have the, the same, same ensemble of like cast, don't he? For pretty much yeah. all these films. Yeah, yeah. I think all the actors kinda... who play the Kroskis are kind of his normal go-to actors. Yeah, I know that Moonrise Kingdom. I think Bill Murray's like the the lead in that one. I think. But yeah, there's always sort of. I feel like I should watch him. I think sometimes the names kind of put you off, like just the. Uh, like saying we're going into this one, if you didn't know anything about it, you'd potentially be put off or not know what you're going into. So yeah, because yeah, that's true for life. Life Aquatic. Uh, I, that's another film that I've seen dotted around, and I can't even remember it coming out. Anything, and then I just hundred percent wouldn't have watched. I think I watched Fantastic Mr. Fox because I think mine and Ben's uni uni friend Sean told me about it at the time. And again, I think that's another one I probably wouldn't have watched. But having watched it. You know, that's that's another really good film. And I think Isle of Dogs as well. I don't think I connected that to Fantastic Mr. Fox. But now, now I know, and kind of having seen two two of his films, I think I'll definitely have to go back and watch. Yeah. Watch a few more and get that ensemble definitely built up. Definitely highly rated. I, I think I randomly um, watched like George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez in Out of Sight, and I thought, what else has George Clooney done? And then he's the main voice actor for Fantastic Mr. Fox, and I saw that was on Netflix. And I thought, it looks weird. Stop motion, you know, family of foxes, there's some breaking into something. It, I just thought it was a very strange concept. Um, and the look and feel of it was like very, very like odd. Um, and that's something that um, I've seen before. But it, it, yeah, if you guys, uh, as you haven't seen it, very recommend it. And then as nobody else has seen Isle of Dogs, it's those two are very, very similar. Um, but I think Isle of Dogs being the, the, is one of his later ones um, that's got more of his like signature style and stuff, and I think you'll see that from having watched Grand Budapest. Watching this one, while it's not live action and got human characters in it, um, I think you'll just see that like kind of... I mean, especially if you watch Mr. Fox and go straight into Isle of Dogs, you'll be like, oh, the style is the same in that it's stop motion and it's got these weird characters, but it'll just have that same vibe. So, yeah, a trilogy of Wes Anderson... Um, yeah, because it's kind of like all those, like the, the cable car scene and the, the skiing scene, to sort of that kind of Yeah, look. yeah, definitely. And it's got like a shit ton of voice talent in it. So, um, Was there a George yeah. Clooney cameo in Budapest? I'm sure he's one of the guys that pops out in that shootout, isn't he? <laughs> I think that's, I I think that's a rumour that's never been confirmed. 
Yeah, I'm trying to look and see who else who else he got on that scene. So I've, I've heard that, that before. Great place. Well, I think that shootout scene's amazing, by the way. I can't believe we just skipped over it. Nobody mentioned it. I thought we were saving it for this bit, but because yeah. yeah, definitely kind of looks like him, but yeah, perhaps it could or it couldn't be. I don't know. It's just like a old grey hair guy with a, a moustache that Clooney looks to have had at, at one point, but but yeah, that scene's very good. Yeah, it's just how they keep escalating, isn't it? Just more and more guys with different guns, and just <laughs> and then everybody's under arrest. Up. <laughs> Everyone's under arrest. <laughs> just also <laughs> shooting again. Yeah, another one we skipped over. I thought was the um, Gustav's in, impromptu interview of Zero. Yeah, that oh, was a job role. It's um, it's a great scene where it's got one of the the tracking shots and where he's interacting with all the characters in between, asking the questions. Ah, yeah. yeah, or even Ralph the bit Fiennes before like... that, when um when Zero's with him for like the whole scene, and then he just says he just turns around, and he's like, "Wait a minute, who are you and where do you come from?" <laughs> and, he, and he shouts up, that guy pops out, and he's like, "Did you hire this boy?" <laughs> it's like, yes, sir. Pending your approval. <laughs> That's why he's supposed to light light the the candle for the woman, isn't he? As well. Uh-huh. Do I still yeah. light the candle? He's like, yeah. no, forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Ralph finds with that with that dialogue, just immense. Just it's just so funny. Could you actually uh, imagine no. a different actor in the role? I, I was I trying to think know. about this earlier, and I just couldn't think of like anyone else. I, I couldn't picture anyone this... else in the in the role. Just, just the scale of his talent, um, you know, because guys kind of alluded to it. He's in Schindler's List, isn't he? He's the, he's the SS officer who runs the camp in Schindler's List. Yeah. And, and then he's in this, and he's like in complete comedy role. And he's also Voldemort. I mean, yeah, the man, the man is so underrated. He's, he's absolutely, he's just amazing. I don't know, many people will be like, oh, Voldemort, that's not a key role. Of course it is. Harry Potter. <laughs> to die. Yeah. I think of all the now. I just think of that meme where it's like, "It's been so long, my friends." Yeah. <laughs> About the quarantine. Uh, screw you, COVID. Let's. Uh, well, we 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 got forced into giving our ratings out of ten. Dan, I'm, I do apologise. We didn't. We were we were trying to hold them back, but the food circle guys were getting very aggressive, particularly Paul. But, um, they bullied you on our podcast. What's this one? Yeah, I know. I, I'm the bully of this group. <laughs> <laughs> and on that yes, note, Dan, yes, what's your what's your score out of ten? <laughs> uh, Eight point five. There we go. Whoa! How did that compare? Uh, there was a lot, like nines, point, a lot of nines. Point five was below a... everyone else, I think. Well, Ben, I don't think Ben, we didn't oh, get yeah. your score. I think Ben diverted it very cleverly. Fucking Ben passed it on. Yeah, I thought I was going to get away with it. Huh? Well, what's your is score it, is it 10, another ben? one that you can't rate, Ben? Yeah, don't Ben's us, another... Don't give us that shit. <laughs> ben, is your, is your arse hurting from sitting on fence all the time or what? <laughs> <laughs> ben. ben. It's a tough one. Um, I'm going to give it... An eight point eight. So we're yeah, averaging it a now. classic Ben's classic Ben score. <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, I think it is. I think considering what James and Paul gave it, 
Dan's eight point five, Ben's eight point eight, my nine, your nine. I think I think it's a a collective nine out of ten. Very highly rated. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything that we've missed? Anything anything that anybody wants to Um We talked a lot about Ralph Fiennes and his um like his personality throughout the film, but there's that one scene where he's apologizing to oh. Zero after the prison. Oh, escape. that is amazing. And it's so, good. it's so genuine. Like you're expecting him to break character again and go, oh, fuck this and move on to something else. But he doesn't. He literally, he follows through. I just said here, that was the most genuine apology I've ever heard on film. Yeah, just when he's... Because it just you know, you escalates. Messed, you messed all this up. <laughs> I never should have hired you. Why do you just go back home? Go back home to your family. And he's like, my family were killed at war. And he's just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I've been a complete idiot. I need to take back everything I've just said. It's yeah. like you say, like it's just it's, it's not it's funny, but it's also it does feel more heartfelt, realistic yeah. as well. It's probably the most in contrast to like everything else that happened in the film, which is strange, funny, weird, quirky. It's the it's the one bit where I was like, "Whoa, I've got to make a note of this because this is this feels genuine." Like there's a yeah, definitely like it's a heartfelt moment. What do, what about um, another thing we've missed? All the priests, how they all keep popping out of doors. <laughs> Are you Gustav from the Grand Budapest Hotel? Awesome bit. It's the um, or, or the end of because that that all leads to the the like the sleigh, Bob like race down the hill, um, which was awesome. Um, when they when they're following Green Lantern to the to the bottom for the um, for the for the Green epic Goblin. cliffhanger. Um, oh, Green Goblin! Ooh, who'd I keep Ryan, 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 Ryan Reynolds is not in this film. That's Green Lantern, isn't it? Yeah, I can, I can see how they're easily confused. Let me just both, both amazing Goblin. Even I wouldn't make that mistake, Fran. Even I would not. Oh, confuse fucking that hell, rookie, rookie moviegoer. Um, You're like Paul and James. You're one of film film <laughs> So Green Goblin, when they're chasing him to the bottom of the uh, yeah the mountain. And they've they've killed him. I mean, that was a great scene anyway, where Ralph Fiennes is hanging off the edge, and he's like, "Oh shit!" And he's trying to, he's doing it again, where he's trying to recite some poetry, and then um, Zero just clean, like comes in and kicks him off, and he's like, "Oh holy shit, you got him!" Um, <laughs> then he climbs back up, and then then again they're like after um, seeing you know and, and doing the those cross keys, but and he's like, "Right, oh, we we've lost one of our own. Let's let's have a moment of silence." But yet the um, Edward Norton and his gang of guys are over on the other cliff. Um, about to shoot and he's like yeah let's have a moment and they kind of like pray for him and he's like oh right fuck this we've got to go and they get back on the bike escape and stuff <laughs> I just thought oh, all those scenes are absolutely awesome yeah, yeah. It's, it's just incredible it's just all the little details as well like like when they're running away there after they have that moment of silence you start hearing the gunshots where they're <laughs> firing <laughs> rifles at them the way they stand as well with the hands in front the heads down <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's, 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 it's oh, like so well. they're in the uh, confession booth. I think it's in the confession booth where they're talking to that guy that's the uh, the bad guy from um, Quantum of Solace. Um, and he he's telling them like, oh yeah, and they've they've killed my family or something, and all my sisters is like, what? even the one with the club foot, those fuckers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, back in the train car, and another one where um, he's he's describing to Zero about like, oh, you know. And, she needs man we're going to go over there and you know um you know 
see the the casket and whatnot and he's he's describing it and saying like oh the fucking family will be there and he says like you know they'll be dancing like gypsies um just just his entire exchange with zero in both of those scenes is class yeah it is good Adrian Brody as well, like you know, doesn't really doesn't have any barely any dialogue and stuff, but just the face that, he, that his expression all the way through, it's just like this yeah. sour, twisted bit of uh, son. And yeah, that that three way or, or four way punch out that they have, where they sort of I think they all end up breaking each other's nose, just one punch and they drop down. Yeah, Adrian Brody punches uh, Ralph Fiennes, <laughs> and then. Zero punches Adrian Brody and then the uh, and then Willem Dafoe punches Zero. It's just it's all the family members as well reacting to it when they're all like doing gas, but they get louder and louder. <laughs> so definitely must lo- watch. Loved a bit as well where Dimitri, um Adrian Brody's character sees the paintings come for the first time. They've replaced it. With uh, that yeah, they replaced it. <laughs> two women having sex. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, what the fuck is this? We thought it was Boy with Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Even that's funny. Even Boy with Apple's funny just because how it's used all the way through the film. Mm. Yeah, just not Boy with an Apple. It's just Boy with Apple. <laughs> all right, well, I think that's going to, uh, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Um, we've been obviously we did last week we did Roadhouse which was Ben's pick um, we've had guests on and they've just done their guest pick and then uh, this next film coming up is Dan's pick although don't judge Dan by this it wasn't selected based on Dan's film <laughs> I think it was just selected for the podcast what have you picked Dan what's for the next episode so we've already looked at Blade so I've gone for a similar theme and we're, we're going to be watching Underworld you, oh, yeah. This is your attempt at trying to tip the uh, viewing scales from Blade being the most popular with 80 odd players at this moment in time, is it, Dan? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we'll we'll see if we can <laughs> see if we can replicate that. Well, something's got to something's got to contest Magic Mike. So. Well, that's true. Just put it Unlikely. What? Unlikely. <laughs> great, great episode. <laughs> All right, guys. Well. Um, that's a, a goodbye from me. See you next time. Torah from me. Uh, adios from me. <laughs> <laughs>